Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our daily reading of scripture and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Tuesday. It is June 6th, 2023, Tuesday of the ninth week of ordinary time. Just want to check my book and make sure I was right on that. Yes, <laughs> ninth week of ordinary time. The gospel reading today is from the gospel according to St. Mark. Some Pharisees and Herodians were sent to Jesus to ensnare him in his speech. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you are not concerned with anyone's opinion. You do not regard a person's status, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or should we not pay? Knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought one to him, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They replied to him, Caesar's. So Jesus said to them, Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. They were utterly amazed at him. It's funny, it reminds me of when people try to contradict faith with other branches of knowledge, like with science or with history. And the reality is, truth is truth. I, I see everybody wearing these shirts, love is love. Give me a break. You know, some things are love and some things are not love. Yeah, love is love if it's really love. Truth is truth if it's really truth. If historical truth is being presented, it does not contradict our faith. If scientific truth is presented, it does not contradict our faith. Truth goes with truth. It all goes together. So they go to Jesus trying to get him to say something uh, that will get him in trouble. Essentially, trying to pit one truth against another truth. And Jesus simply answers with truth. Therefore, there's nothing they can say against it. The simple truth that some things belong to Caesar and other things belong to God. And yeah, we have a duty to both the world and to God. We do. We live in this world. It's just like you move into a new town. You have to pay that town's taxes, follow that town's laws. Jesus is not telling us to be anarchists. So on the one hand, this brings up all sorts of moral teachings, this reading, that we do have a duty to follow society, to pay our taxes, just not to follow unjust laws. In fact, if something is unjust and it's, you know, de depend, depending what the law is doing, we, we have a moral obligation sometimes to publicly oppose them. You know, there's things like abortion. It's okay to kill babies. Okay, we have an obligation as Christians and Catholics, to oppose that. Sometimes, however, it's just things to do our best to avoid. And sometimes it's laws that are just, you know, so we need to, uh, we need to follow those laws. So Jesus is teaching us something great, but this is also, and, and this is where I'd like to focus in. There is a bigger picture reality being spoken of here. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. I speak a lot about the old mass versus the new mass. And 
you know, this has recently become a passion of mine. And the reason it's a passion of mine is that I'm starting to understand things better, the changes that took place, why these changes took place, and what are the results of the changes. What do we have going on in the church right now? Everything is falling apart. I would venture to say it's all falling apart, at least the institutional side of things in in the Western world is falling apart. There's lots of beautiful things happening in the church in a different way, in a more charismatic sort of a way, in a new sort of a way. And this is what happens over the centuries. New things replace the old things. But with regard to the old structures in the church, there's a lot falling apart. And it's because God is not blessing it because we're not doing things right. And so this reading is a great reading to help us understand why things are falling apart. We're supposed to render unto Caesar and we're supposed to render unto God. So what has happened in the church's worship in the past 40, 50 years? We want it all to be about Caesar. Let's make everybody happy. Let's not upset people. Let's take a vote. Let's empower everyone. Let's get everybody involved. Let's make everybody feel important that they have say and that they are involved in in some way or another, that they have some sort of a role to play. And we've lost, I'm going to use an analogy, which really, um, it's, it's a traditional analogy that spells out a lot with regard to our faith, at the expense of the, well, let me say it this way, in favor of the horizontal we've lost the vertical. So the cross itself is a great analogy for what's supposed to be happening in the life of the church. Notice the cross. The long beam of the cross is the vertical beam. In case anybody's forgotten, that's the one that goes up and down. The short beam of the cross is the horizontal one that goes left to right, right to left. There's beautiful passages in scripture where Jesus says why he needs to die. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. Jesus dies for the unity of the human race. But first and foremost, he dies for the unity of the human race with God. And that is the principle which unites the human race. First, we are united with God. We cannot be united as a human race without God. It's the difference between Babel and Pentecost. The Holy Spirit unites us. This prideful striving to create the city of man, that does not unite us. It's never successful. So the more the church tends to that, there's less and less success. The more we go vertical, the more we worship, the more we have success. So once again, we have the the golden rule, love of God, love of neighbor, represented by the beams of the cross. Jesus came to unite heaven and earth. He does this in his person, first through the incarnation, and then, of course, through all his ministry. But the climax of it is in the Paschal mystery, his death and his resurrection, his ascension. He goes back and forth between heaven and earth. He dies He pays the price for our sins, and this reconnects us to God. It reconnects what was broken. And because of that vertical connection, now we have the horizontal connection where we connect with one another. 
So in Christianity, naturally speaking, there is a lot of emphasis on fellowship. Not just fellowship because we go to church together, but there is a connection that happens because we all receive the same body of Christ. We become the body of Christ. It applies to marriages and families. It applies to people of different cultures and races. It's why the church is called Catholic. It means universal. But still, that's the short beam. The long beam is the vertical. So what do we have in our worship? It used to be just about God. I was talking to somebody today and trying to explain this, and the person, somebody I, I love very much, somebody who, who loves God, somebody who goes to church all the time, but she was asking me questions and even complaining a little bit about, well, why do we have to have Latin? And, and I thought everything changed. Why are we going backwards? Because this priest was introducing some traditional elements in his masses. And I was just trying to explain how in, in this language, at the, at this, for, for the good of fellowship, we've sacrificed worship. And I was talking about one of the main things about the new mass and new ways of worshiping, so-called, are the fact that we have so many, is the fact that we have so many options. You can choose this, you can choose that. Well, there was a feast day today, so the prayers in my book didn't match the prayers that were said at mass. And this is one of the things this person said to me today. And I said, well, in the old mass, if it was a feast day, you add the extra readings and the extra prayers. Everything was in and it was mandatory. Now you can choose. You can choose the prayers. You can choose the vestments. You can choose the readings. And there's so many other things. And then people complain because their choices weren't honored. Well, you didn't do the mass this way. You didn't do the mass that way. You didn't, I didn't like this prayer. I didn't like that vestment. I didn't like that song. I, I didn't like this sermon. I didn't like that priest. And it's been ingrained in people more and more and more that it's all about them. Well, that priest wasn't as entertaining. He wasn't as inviting. He wasn't as friendly. And then when we had the party after mass, well, I didn't like those cookies. The donuts were stale. I didn't like that pizza. I like it when we get it from the other place. I didn't like that chicken. It was a little dry. Whereas in the past, when you didn't have all these options, people didn't think it was all about them. There was a much stronger emphasis on we're here to worship God. And that is our salvation. And that is what heaven will be all about. Primarily, the secondary effect of heaven is fellowship with one another for all eternity. But the primary, you know, purpose of heaven, the primary reality that exists in heaven is we worship God. We are united with our creator. And so this is rendering to God what belongs to God. All we want to do nowadays is render unto Caesar. The way people complain to me sometimes is ridiculous when we talk about faith. They get everything they want in secular society, and then they come to church and they expect to keep getting whatever they want. And there is a loss, even among the most devout Catholics, there is a loss of the sense of the sacred, which means a sense of worship. It's why we were made. It's what eternity is going to be all about. And if we don't worship, we don't pray, we're not going to be able to do it in eternity. St. Alphonsus and other saints have said, you know, those that go to heaven are those that pray. Those that go to hell are those that don't pray. And even devout people aren't 
praying because they don't know how to pray. No one's ever taught them. They were taught you go to the mass and it's this celebration. They, they use that word in a very uh, nebulous sort of a sense. They don't really even know what it means to celebrate because we, we don't use the word celebration in the same way the world uses the word. And yes, there, there's this sense of it's like a social gathering. It's an event to celebrate. So we have to have the right children's play on Christmas Eve. We have to have the right shepherds and camels and sheep. And it's not about giving our hearts to God, worshiping God, bending the knee before God, singing to God, etc. Being patient for the worship, being persevering. Okay, this, this liturgy, because it's a feast, is going to take longer. Well, that's because it's a feast, because it commemorates something great that God did for us to save us from hell. We're reluctant to go a couple extra minutes when the alternative for God doing for us what he did is for us to end up in hell. So this is rendering unto God what belongs to God. We still render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and there's so much that belongs to Caesar, and God's okay with that. He's okay with our fellowship. He's okay with all the things we have to do in the world, as long as it's not sinful. And even in the church, yes, there's so much that is horizontal. We're supposed to be forming friendships. There's outreach, helping the poor. So many things that are important, but it stems from the vertical, rendering unto God. People are miserable today because they don't know how to worship. Worship gives us a genuine joy that fills us and overflows because we know who we are. We are God's people and we're there to worship him. So brothers and sisters, together with Our Lady, who just did nothing but worship, she pondered these things within her heart. She was forever grateful for the child she received. She followed him to the foot of the cross and she offered him to the Father. She consented to everything that Jesus did for our salvation. So this is a woman that worshipped, and she shows us how to worship. We must return to worship to know who we are. We must return to worship in order to build up the church again. We must return to worship if we're going to offer God what truly belongs to God. This is a command of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we ask the Lord to help us to be better prayers that we may find the true fulfillment that he intends for us. Hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.